Before we get into Romans chapter 15, I, I, wanna, I just wanna celebrate some people. I wanna celebrate and thank Pastor Jason, who for the past 10 weeks has led so faithfully and with such grace and love uh, through this uh, crisis. Uh, I don't know how many hundreds of hours he's been on Zoom calls with local leaders and local pastors and pastors around the country just trying to figure things out because nobody's ever done this before. And I also want to celebrate our entire staff. They have done things that they never expected to do, uh, things that weren't on their job description, our office staff, our operations staff. Uh, you saw in the video those who are living life on mission and leading the way in that our Rev Kids team, our, our Rev Students team, our, our pastors. And, and I really want to just say thank you and celebrate two teams without whom this wouldn't happen. Everything that you have seen in the last 10 weeks has been under the auspices of our communication team and our production teams led by Lindsey Gertis and Brian Damaro and uh, they have just put in tireless hours to bring you everything from the We Believe signs that you see all over the place to today's broadcast. So thank you. We celebrate you. You're awesome. We love you. Now, let's start Romans chapter 15. So we're going to be in verses 1 through 7. I'm going to read through all the verses, and then we're going to break it down. I I'm not going to break it down, but we're going to break down the verses. Here we go. We who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good to build him up. For Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction that through endurance and through encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Jesus Christ, that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. So here we are, chapter 50. I can't believe we're almost at the end of Romans. And remember, this is just one long letter. There weren't chapters and chapter headings. So what we're reading today in these first seven verses, that's a big old therefore from chapter 14 and everything we learned last week, which is about not passing judgment, but instead pursuing peace. So Today, it's applying what we know, because we can know a lot, but sometimes we don't apply a lot. And Paul, Paul says many times, you know, it's got to go from here to here to our hearts, or else, as we saw in the video, it's never going to get to the hands and the feet. We're never going to get to be the hands and feet of Jesus. He says, if all we have is knowledge, but we don't have love, then we're just a bunch of noise a clanging gun, a loud symbol. So today, we're going to talk about the application of what we have learned. Now, I don't know about you, but the last 10 weeks, I can break down in three completely different seasons. The first season, oh, wow, <laughs> this is crazy. What are we going to do? 
and how many cookies can I eat? That was, that was, my, that was my first season. Second season was, okay, this is crazy. Let's just figure out how to do this. We're going to get through this together. And is there such a thing as too much frozen pizza? And my third season was really simple. There is such a thing as too much frozen pizza. I found that out. But I also learned something in this season, and maybe you can relate to this. I learned two things. I learned how to epoxy paint a garage floor, and I learned how to lay down artificial grass in the backyard. Now, I watched pretty much, well, I know I did, every single YouTube video ever recorded on those two subjects. How do I know that? Ask my wife. She will tell you. She's sitting right here. I watched every single one of those videos. I know how to grind off the old epoxy floor. I know how to acid acid etch the floor. I know how to clean it up after I acid etch it. I know how to roll the epoxy. I know how to put on a really nice shiny finish so it looks showroom new. I learned all that about the grass too. I can lay down the artificial grass. But here's the thing. I I didn't actually do any of those projects, but I got, I got all the knowledge of those projects. So I might not have done them, but what I'm saying is my garage floor hasn't seen that love. The backyard hasn't seen that love. So look at today's message in kind of that same way. This is going to be the definitive YouTube tutorial video on how to pursue peace. Everything we learned last week. So let's go back to verse one. You having fun so far? Good, because I am. Verse one, we who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. So we who are strong, Paul is talking about the stronger Christian versus the weaker Christian. We have an obligation or another way to say that we have a debt. Now, if you remember way back February of last year, when we started the series in Romans going verse by verse, I actually preached uh, chapter one, verses 14 through 17, where Paul says he is under obligation, eager and unashamed to preach the gospel, to share the good news with others. Now, why, why was he under obligation? He was under obligation because of what Jesus had done in his life. Jesus had radically changed his life, so he was under obligation. Same reason we should be preaching the gospel to others, sharing the good news with everybody we know because of what Jesus has done in our lives. So here we are again, under obligation in the same way to bear with one another. Now, bear is an interesting word. It's bastazo in the Greek. It doesn't mean just putting up with. We're not saying we're going to bear with that person. We're going to bear with my next door neighbor. He's really annoying. that's That's not what we're getting at here. We're getting at here something way bigger. It's helping to carry somebody's load. It's in the context of somebody who is stronger in their faith, carrying the load, bearing the weight, helping somebody along who is weaker in their faith. So you get the difference between bearing with here. The second thing we see in verse one is not to please ourselves. We who are strong and have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. 
Last week, we learned that if we're going to be pursuers of peace, we don't judge, we assume the best, we stop getting in arguments over minor things, what we eat, what we drink. We lay down some of our own preferences because that's what Jesus did for us. So if we're, if we're not pleasing ourselves, who are we pleasing? Glad you asked. Let's take a look at the next verse. Verse two, let each of us please his neighbor for his good. And, and this is the main thing here to build him up, to build him up. Now, build comes from uh, another Greek word, oikos, meaning if you yelled out yogurt, you're, you're, way, you're, way, you're way ahead of me. Uh, it means house. Uh, oikodomeo is the verb, and that means to build up, to edify, to edify and build up by restoring. So it's literally building somebody up by encouraging them. And when we encourage somebody, we are putting courage into them. And to put courage into somebody, you have to do more than just prop them up a little bit. You have to actually build them up. So here we come to our first main point of today's message. To build up, we have to bear with. To build up, we have to bear with. Now, look at, it, look at it this way. If my primary purpose is just to please myself, then my primary purpose can't be, by default, pleasing others. It's impossible. But if I'm going to please my neighbors, if I'm going to please others, I'm not going to please myself. But look at another definition of the word bear. This is crazy. Another definition of the word bear is enduring at the cost of doing something unpleasant. So sometimes what this means is that if I want to please others, it's going to come at the cost of not pleasing myself and enduring something unpleasant. I don't know about you. I don't want to do that. I don't, I don't want to do something that is going to be unpleasant to myself. I mean, who would want to do that? That's going to be in verse 3. It's a cliffhanger. There's a couple of people here. I'm getting a couple of amens and a couple of grunts, but that's enough. Now, Pastor Jason, a while ago, walked us through something called primary desires and necessary conditions. Do you remember that? I think this is a great time to apply these verses to that formula. And the whole premise of primary desire and necessary condition is you don't get what you want doing what you want. Now, here's an example. If you want to be physically fit, you don't get what you want doing what you want. I'm not going to get what I want doing what I want, which is eat pizza twice a day. But there are necessary conditions to be physically fit, so those are the minimum necessary things I need to do, which are, if I want to be fit, do more, eat less, or eat less, do more. Diet and exercise, very good. If you want to be financially fit, that's your primary desire. What are the necessary conditions? Spend less, save more. 
So you got that? So if our primary desire, according to Paul in these verses, is to build up and we don't get what we want by doing what we want, which is pleasing ourselves, then the necessary conditions are bearing with one another and not pleasing myself. Bearing with and not pleasing myself. Now, I got to stop here. This is a caveat. This is really tricky because we're not talking about people pleasing here. Uh, We're not changing what we believe to make it sound better, to make it palatable. We're not We're not taking the gospel and watering it down in any way. It's finding joy in loving others at a cost to ourselves. So really what you want to do here in these situations, you want to ask the question, what is is the best thing for that person for their good? What is the best thing for that person for their good? And sometimes you're going to have to have a really hard conversation. Sometimes you're going to have to do the unpleasant thing to yourself. It's not easy. Sometimes you want to avoid the hard conversation. You ever have you know, that hard conversation coming up and you just, you just put it off. You don't call that person. You don't set up a meeting. I get that. But sometimes if you're going to really love that person, You're going to have an unpleasant conversation with them. And in turn, you're definitely not going to be pleasing yourself. But you're going to be caring for them by carrying their burden. The toughest thing for a family member is to make a boundary with another family member. Maybe you've done that. Maybe you've had a son or a daughter or a mom or a dad or a brother or a sister and you've had to have that tough conversation and you've had to make that boundary and you got to say no more. It's unpleasant to yourself, but it is for their good. And we never know it's for their good until we actually do it. It's really hard in the moment, but you're loving them with truth in a way that people-pleasing and falling over for people would never do. So the obligation that Paul is talking about here is to love that person, walk with that person, carry that person, don't judge them, suffer with them. Philippians 2 says, do nothing out of rivalry or conceit, but in humility consider others more significant than yourself. Now, we're not considering their their opinions and their preferences as something that we have to fall over to. We're We're not considering them more significant to agree with them necessarily. We are considering them more significant to consider that person more significant. We're considering others more significant so we can value That person. Go back to the first verse of chapter 14. As for the one who is weak in faith, welcome him, but not to quarrel over opinions. So, why do we do this? Why do we want to value the people? Why do we want to bear with that person? Why do we want to build up that person? 
Because Jesus did. Because Jesus did. So verse three. For Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. You see, that's in quotations. And we'll get to that in just a second. See, Jesus is not just our savior, he's our example. And in the chapter heading that wasn't written when Paul wrote the letter, it says Jesus the example. There are many things that Jesus did in scripture. He healed, he loved, he saved, he, uh, he forgave. But the one thing he did to show us how much he loves us, the one thing he showed was how to serve us. And how did he serve us? He sacrificed for us. He didn't please himself. He came to serve and not be served. The reproaches of those who reproached on you fell on me. Another translation says reproach is insults. So he endured those insults. And it's right from Psalm 69. This is, this is, this is neat. Right from Psalm 69, which is uh, called a messianic psalm because it's about the Messiah. Yeah, very good. <laughs> you were probably yelling it at home. It's about the Messiah. It's about Jesus. Uh, I was with my dad a couple of weeks ago. I went out to see him, and we, we sat down, and we watched the, the message on Sunday. We watched the whole service, and in, in a way that only my dad could ask, he said, how does the guy know? How does the guy know when to preach out of the Old Testament and when to preach out of the New Testament? I said, Dad, and my father's not a believer. I said, Dad, it's just one book. And the entire Old Testament, everything points to you, to Jesus, Yeshua, Messiah. He was like, what? I said, yeah, Dad. So, so Paul is, is using this messianic psalm to show the degree to which Jesus didn't please himself was the degree to which he sacrificed. Philippians 2 also says he took the form of a servant and he was obedient to the point of what? To the point of death. That's the degree to which Jesus built others up. That's the degree to which he bared with he was willing to suffer the reproaches of the world. He was willing to suffer the insults of the world. He was willing to be spit on. He was willing to be mocked. He was willing to be tortured. He was willing to die a horrific death on a cross. He was willing to do that rather than please himself. Are we willing to sacrifice some of our preferences? Are we willing to do something that might be uncomfortable? Are we willing to do something that might be unpleasant to ourselves in order to bear with and build up? I hope so. Throughout this crisis, we've heard time and time again, if we come out of this unchanged, that would be awful. I don't want to come out of this unchanged. I want to come out of this changed. I want to come out of this bearing with even more. 
building up even more. So in order to do that, and this is another point, we must sacrifice self and serve others. We must sacrifice self and serve others for the good of others. So so this how-to video is setting up really good. We got build up by bearing with, sacrificing, serving for their good. And you've heard this many times. It's Jesus, it's others, and then yourself. So what do you get when God informs how we love other people? It's an acronym, J-O-Y. You get joy. You get joy when you're serving. You get joy when you're building up. You get joy when you are sacrificing self, even when it is at a cost to yourself. So do you want that? Do you want that joy? I think that's a great question. I'm asking myself that question right now, because if we want that, then we want to be like Jesus. And that's the ultimate goal of sanctification, to become more like Jesus. So how do you be like Jesus here? Well, Paul tells us how to do that by reminding us of the importance of this, the importance of Scripture. Verse 4, for whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the Scriptures, we might have hope. We've got it all in this book. We've got it all, and we've got to be all about this book. Everything here is for our instruction. Second Timothy chapter three, all scripture is breathed out by God and useful for teaching and reproof and instruction and correction and training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. How awesome was this book during this crisis? How many times did you read a devotional how many times did you see a verse somewhere? How many, how many daily devotionals on Facebook did you watch? And every time we went through one of those Psalms, which were so good, just in seasons of doubt and fear and worry and anxiety and depression, every single time, what did it do? It built you up. It encouraged you. I don't think there's ever been a time and I'll just fess up. There are a lot of times I don't, I don't want to pick this up. There are times where I struggle to pick this up. But there are many things that I have done over the last 10 weeks that I regret. But never have I regretted reading this. Never have I read this and put it down and said, well, that was a waste of time. It's so easy to fall away from Jesus. And I find that it's so easy to fall away from Jesus when I'm not reading this. God's word is the great defense from falling away. If you know this book, you can apply this book. If you don't know how to, you won't be able to actually do the doing. Someday I might finish that garage floor. I don't know, but I, but I know how to now. 
I just have to apply it. We just have to apply this. Here's an example. The Bible never changes. God is perfect. So if I'm struggling, I'm going to use an example of just something really simple. If I'm struggling, wondering if God loves me. If I don't know that in Scripture, over and over and over again, God's word says his steadfast love endures forever, how am I going to know it? How am I going to hold on to it? How am I going to use Scripture to build me up and encourage me? But if I know God loves me, and I know that's 26 times in one psalm where he says his steadfast love endures forever, I'm going to have hope. Without Jesus, there's no hope. With him, nothing but hope. The word of the year. We started out the year with this. It's integration. You want to live an integrated life? Our actions have to be informed by what we believe. And for our actions to be informed by what we believe, it has to be informed by this. And we can trust it. <laughs> we can trust in his word. He never fails. He's always faithful. Andy Stanley said something years ago, and it has stuck with me. God's past faithfulness demands our present trust. God's past faithfulness demands our present trust. God is, God is not the stock market. God is not Bitcoin. Both things are, are fluctuating based upon foreign markets and based upon the, the latest projections from the CDC and should I wear a mask, should I not wear a mask, and everything is fluctuating. God's not like that. He's perfect. He never changes. And I love, I love those two words. I love those two words in that verse, endurance and encouragement. Now, now, what do you think of when you hear endurance? I think, I think endurance races. I think like a marathon. I've run a marathon. I don't recommend it. It's 26.2 miles on foot. I know. But I think of what it takes to run a marathon, and it takes hard work, and it takes discipline. What do you think of when you hear the word encouragement? I think of somebody coming alongside me, and pulling me in and saying, hey, you're doing great. Keep doing what you're doing. Or, hey, I know you're struggling, but I'm going to walk through this with you. I'm going to bear with you through this. That word encouragement is used 106 times in the New Testament. Words parakaleo, and it literally means pulling one into your side. So what Paul is talking about here is the Christian life's a marathon. <laughs> and I, I get it. That there are days when you're doing great. You are, you are like the best Christian ever on some days. And God comes alongside and says, hey, that was just one day. But guess what? I'm the God of endurance, and I am going to give you the endurance to run this marathon, and we're going to do it together tomorrow and the next day and the next day and the next day. And then there are days, and I have more of these than I had of those, then there are days where 
you're not killing it. <laughs> it's not going well at all. And you feel like the worst person on the planet. And that's when, that's when our God comes alongside you and pulls you in and says, I'm going to put courage into you. I'm going to lift you up. I'm going to bear with you. It's just one day. We've got another one tomorrow. Encouragement and endurance. And Paul talks about it in verse 5. It comes in the form of a prayer. He says, may the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus. He's asking God to do what we can't do. We spend so much energy trying to accomplish things on our own, and I do that all the time and fail miserably. That's why I love Pray 404. That's why I just love that my phone goes off at 4 o'clock every day, right now through Pentecost, which is next Sunday, and we get to pray for a few minutes. And you can follow on social media. There are videos of pastors all around the Atlanta area praying. And it's a reminder to ask the one who can do anything to move in ways that we can't. The God of endurance and encouragement will give you endurance and encouragement. Shocker. That's who he is if we ask. And he always answers that prayer. That's amazing. He always answers that prayer. So how can we have hope if we don't know what this says. So what we see is that if we're going to bear with each other, if we're going to build up each other, we have to be dependent on God's word. So important, because without the power of the Holy Spirit, without God's word, we're not going to be able to do it on our own. So here's another point. Bearing with and building up requires dependence on. Not only is there alliteration, but I used a lot of prepositions. That should be a double bonus. I don't know. Why do we do that? What's the purpose? All right, verse six. Are you still having fun? Because I am. Verse six, that together you may with one voice glorify Glorify or glorify, either one. I've heard it both ways. Glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. That together we may be one voice. What a great word, together. It's a very long Greek word, homothumidin. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. It sounds like something you get from a pharmaceutical company. Homothumidin. And the best way to describe that is think of an orchestra. Think of the orchestra. Everybody's playing a different instrument, whether they're playing the piccolo or the contrabassoon. They're playing a different instrument. They're playing different notes, different melodies, but it all comes together because it's one piece of music, one beautiful piece of music. You could say they are unified in that because God the Father is all about unity. Jesus is all about unity. The entire plan of redemption 
was to bring us into relationship with our creator, to be one with. The Holy Spirit is about unity. Next Sunday, Pentecost Sunday, what happened in the book of Acts? 3,000 people filled with the Holy Spirit. And what happened right after that? Scripture says they were together of one accord, playing the same tune. In Paul's eyes, even when there are differences in the details, those open-handed issues that we talked about last week, there can be unity in the main thing. There can be unity in Jesus. And the more we bear with one another, the more we build up one another, the more we build up one another, the more we are unified. And the more unified we are, the more we will do what verse 7 says. And I love this. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. When you come to Revolution Church, the first people you see in the parking lot, that's the start of our welcome team. From the parking lot all the way to the prayer team. But we didn't come up with the welcome culture. Jesus came up with the welcome culture. And how did Jesus welcome us? He welcomed us in our mess, in our sin. And this is so important. We have to understand this one thing. If we're going to accept others in their mess and bear with them and build them up, we have to accept that Jesus bared with us and accepted us in our mess. We didn't earn any of his love. We didn't deserve his favor. But he willingly went to the cross and died to bring us into relationship with God the Father. That's amazing. So the gospel informs everything we're talking about today. The gospel informs through love if we're gonna love others and we didn't earn anything and Jesus did all the work, we can freely love others. So ask this question. Is there somebody that, that maybe you have judged? That maybe you haven't welcomed? That maybe you haven't been bearing with? Maybe you haven't been carrying their load? And ask, if God loved me and he did all those things for me, how can I not welcome them? We welcome one another in the same way Jesus welcomed us without judgment for the glory of God. Jesus didn't save a wretch like me and he didn't save a wretch like you for our glory. He did it to glorify the Father. And if we don't welcome one another and bear with one another, we're not glorifying God. But if we are, huh, game on. Look, the best witnesses, the best witness we have to, to non-believers is the way we treat other believers. 
the way we bear with and build up. If we want to be people of peace and not people who pass judgment, that's what we've got to do because the world is watching how we treat each other. And can I get, can I get personal with this? My family is watching how we treat each other. You may have heard this said. My family, they don't believe in Jesus. You may have heard some non-Christians don't become Christians because of other Christians. Ouch. There are people who follow you on social media, you're friends with on Facebook, they don't believe in Jesus. And then, and when they see us arguing with each other, when they see us complaining about each other, you know what they're thinking? I'll tell you what they're thinking. Because I've had this conversation with my family. They're thinking, why would I want to be like that? I mean, and I'm going to use an extreme example. I'm going to make this up, and it's going to sound funny, but you've probably seen this. If somebody's social media profile says, child of the most high God, and they just posted their complaint letter to the Olive Garden because the breadsticks were stale, <laughs> come on. What are people we are trying to share the good news with going to think about us? Look at your social media as prime real estate. You can either put a landfill on it or you can build a house on it. You can either fill it up with garbage or you can bring life to it. We lose our influence and our witness to our friends and our neighbors and our coworkers when we don't bear with one another. Because every single thing we do as believers is evangelism. Sometimes we're gonna mess it up. We're not perfect. But everything we do, everything we post, everything we say, every time we have an opportunity to take the buggy back to where it belongs at Publix, that is, that is an opportunity to witness. It's an old saying, but totally appropriate. They may never read a Bible, but they will read you. So how do we know we're winning at this? What's the dashboard? That's what everybody's talking about right now, right? What's the dashboard? We see it all the time, whether it's on the news or something we're reading online, how many cases of coronavirus there are, how many people have, have been cured, how many, all of those things are a dashboard. What is the dashboard when people look at us? I think it's pretty simple. Our dashboard should read, do they look like Jesus? Do we look like Jesus? Are we loving our neighbors? Are we bearing with? Are we building up? Are we sacrificing self? Are we willing to do things that are unpleasant and cost us in order to 
build somebody up for their good. So what would our communities, what would our neighborhoods, what would our schools, what would our businesses look like if people saw Jesus in us? If we were, verse three, like Jesus. I've used this before. We can either be miracle grow and bring life to someone or we could be roundup and poison. Which one do you think glorifies God? Right? Maybe you haven't experienced the love of Jesus like you've heard here. Maybe, maybe you didn't know that he considered you so significant that he was willing to die on a cross, to be so obedient that he was willing to sacrifice everything for you so that your sins could be forgiven. Not only that, not only that, he did it to bring you into a relationship with your creator. Maybe you, maybe you didn't know that Jesus did all those things and maybe you just thought he was just a good example. But you didn't know he was also your savior. I, I wanna give you an opportunity for him to be your savior right now. And I can't think of a better time. I can't think of a better season where we need Jesus more than ever. So if you've never trusted in Jesus before, pray with me. It's a very simple prayer. You can close your eyes right now, repeat after me, Lord, I, I didn't know. I didn't know that Jesus loved me that much, that he was willing to not please himself to the point of dying for me to forgive me of my sins. Father, I want my sins forgiven. I didn't know he bared with me like that. I didn't know that he built me up like that. Will you forgive me? I wanna follow you. I trust that Jesus is who he says he is and that you raised him from the dead to bring me eternal life with you. If you prayed that, this is the greatest day of your life. And you might be crying, you might be running around the living room. I don't know, but don't go anywhere. Because when I say amen, Pastor Derek and Meredith have about 30 more seconds and they're gonna share with you a number that we want you to connect with so we can follow up with you. And maybe you already trusted in Jesus. Maybe you trusted in Jesus and like Pastor Jason has said many times, we're all gonna stand in judgment. And that's why we need to heed God's word and go to him for the endurance and the encouragement to bear with one another. So, so we're gonna pray that God empowers us with encouragement, that he empowers us with endurance. And we're gonna pray for ways to serve others and bear with 
in order to build up for their good. Father, thank you that you are the God of endurance, that you are the God of encouragement. Thank you that we know we can come to you, that you hear our prayers, that you incline your ears to us. Help us at great cost to ourselves. Carry one another's burdens. To love them so much that we're willing to have the tough conversation and love them so much that they see Jesus in us. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for joining us online today. We are so glad that you're here. If you did accept Christ, please text the number below. It is really important for us to connect with you. We've got some resources we can send you. We want to come along beside you and really help you in your new journey with Christ. That's right. And we also want everyone to join us tomorrow at 404 as we continue praying with people all around the state just for God to move. So join us at 404 and we'll see you again next week.